Welcome back to a very special edition of our show, Sleepover Sleepover Cinema, Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of these sometimes made-for-TV movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we have a very special show for you. We are putting two iconic films in the ring together for a head-to-head showdown, (laughs) okay? 2006's Material Girls versus 2006's Cowbells. Of course they're in the same year. (laughs) I know, they're only, uh, Cowbells came out in March, Material Girls came out in August. Wow. I know. They were on the same wavelength. Yes, and we'll definitely talk about that. Um, But by the end of this episode, Audrey and I will have come to a consensus on which movie did it better. Basically, which movie did the trope that both of them are centered around better? Which is a challenge because these movies are basically the exact same thing. Literally the same thing. So in case you aren't familiar, um, here are the things these movies have in common. Audrey, if you would like to take us away. Yeah, so they both star Starlet Sisters. Uh, so Material Girl stars Hillary and Haley Duff, Hillary being the main draw. And this film is their first appearance together on screen. Hi, Hi we're the Marchetta Sisters and you're watching E. A material, a material. The Marchetta Sisters were living the good life until they got a little bad news. Marchetta Cosmetics. Future is a disaster. Now, we're broke. They're out of money. You guys might want to look into getting a job. I think most people our age know Haley Duff from like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> the only people that are scholars the way we are. Yeah. But yeah, clearly Hillary is the person that people know, and then Haley is the sister tagging along for the ride. Yes. The second movie is Cowbells, which stars Allie and AJ, Allie being the main draw of the two. And it appears as though this was their first and only movie together. They primarily did music together, which I personally love to this day. It really does hold up. And I actually do have to amend this slightly because they were in that weird indie movie together recently. Yeah. But I think was, it was like 2015, 2016. Yeah. But this was their only like Disney property that yeah. they were in together and like their only tween movie. Yep. Coming in March to Disney Channel, the Callum sisters, Taylor and Courtney, two girls who always get what they want. That's Daddy's factory. Isn't the cutest? Clothes. Aren't you at all concerned about the price? Cars. You did not give me a car. Even boys. He's kind of cute, you think? Awesome smile, good hair. Until one day. Something's got to change. Come to a decision. This sounds bad. I'm insisting you take a summer job. It's all been settled. Tomorrow morning, bright and early, you report to work. At the dairy. <laughs> You're teasing, right? Now all they want is out. <laughs> Not happy right now. It's the Disney Channel original movie, Cowbells, a story of two sisters whose way of life is about to change. No vacations, no shopping sprees. Be strong, Gord. So shaky. And I would like to say that um we'll talk more about why Allie was the draw, but um between Allie and AJ, but 
Allie did more acting than AJ had been doing. But we'll come back to that. Please continue. Okay, so both Material Girls and Cowbells have the same plot line that involves a riches-to-rags coming-of-age scenario with their father's companies and or fortunes falling apart and the girls having to pick up the pieces. Whew. And they both involve unfortunate fires and relationships <laughs> within different class levels. But most importantly, they came out within three months of each other. And what does that say about <laughs> pop culture at the time? Like, really? I think it's very interesting. What were we gaining? We were... <laughs> to me, I feel like the fact that both of these movies came out when it did was, like, the very first whisperings of, like, the third wave of feminist criticism that's been happening mm -hmm. lately, which... So let's just go through our 2016 culture, and uh, I will wax more about the feminism stuff at the end. <laughs> so, um, Audrey, tell us what was happening. Okay, so... The top song of 2006 was Irreplaceable by Beyonce, of course. Mm -hmm. 2006's biggest movies were Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Cars, and Night at the Museum. And it's the year of the first high school musical. Yes. And we'll talk about it more, but also Hannah Montana. Yeah, I think that's on my list. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, 2006 was also the year of Britney Spears and Kevin Federline's breakup and also Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown's breakup. I it's think that's Bobby Brown, which is a weird coincidence because the makeup line. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're unrelated. Yeah, because Bobby Brown, the makeup is with an I. Bobby <laughs> Brown. <laughs> Great. Anyway, <laughs> um, Facebook <laughs> open. That doesn't read right. Facebook <laughs> creaked open its gates. Um, in 2006, Facebook allowed anyone over 13 to have an account. Ooh, maybe not the best decision. It seems like that was early. Yeah. Also, MySpace was still a thing back then. Mm -hmm. um, American Idol, Deal or No Deal, and Grey's Anatomy were some of the biggest TV shows. Hannah Montana emerged and changed all of us forever. <laughs> um, iTunes use, I, I would imagine, yeah, is I that can, an all-time high? I can pick up from okay. here because I wrote these. Um, the billionth song downloaded from iTunes occurred in 2006. So this was like when I think of this era, I found all of my favorite music through the iTunes store because that yeah. was the only thing I could get to on my computer because everything else <laughs> was blocked because <laughs> my parents were really uh, fastidious in their parental controls. And so um, it was like a big thing, like the 99 cent songs from iTunes. Like if yeah. you got like a $10 gift card for iTunes, you got to like curate your 10 songs you would buy. Yeah. And it was all very uh, legit. Calculated. Because we, again, had a very controlled internet relationship when we were kids. The Wii was released, which is huge news. Yeah. Changed the basements of suburbia forever. <laughs> um I still have our Wii. It's in my living room right now, and I have been playing Guitar Hero over the past few months. And um, My Sims, but not actually. Yeah, it's hard to get back into those games. If you played My Sims, let us know. If you played My Sims, you qualify for a veteran's <laughs> discount. <laughs> the big shows on Nickelodeon at the time uh, were powerful. Drake and Josh, Zoe 101, and Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, all shows that I am confident would hold up to this day, except maybe not Zoe 101. And parts of Drake and Josh. Why? Because he's, like, horny? Yeah, he's just scared. Like, I just think there's 
definitely things that wouldn't age well in Drake and Josh. I'm sure there's a lot of fat jokes in Drake and Josh. Oh, for sure. I think it probably hits every every level of yeah, problematic. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and because it's Dan Schneider and it was that like bizarre sense of humor where it was, you know, Dan Schneider random humor, as they say. You know, iCarly is the same way. Where Wait, who's Dan Schneider, for those who don't know? Dan Schneider is the showrunner and creator of iCarly, Drake and Josh, Victorious, um, a lot of Nickelodeon shows that were prolific during our I childhood. iCarly sucked, though. I hated iCarly. And, but what they do all have in common is that I'm putting air quotes, like random sense of humor where it's like, ha ha, here's my feet. Ha ha. Like, which that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I was about to say. Like, um, random dancing and iCarly. I know. mean, iCarly was like the epitome of horrible random humor. Yeah, but it carries through in all those shows. Ugh. Yeah. Didn't he get exposed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For what? Um, like being predatory. And I don't even know. I have to. I'd have to research it. I don't remember. It's so hard to keep track nowadays of all the creepy middle-aged men in entertainment. Yes. Um. I don't remember if he was legitimately f- like fired and severed, but I think he was severed. Severed from Nickelodeon. Head severed. The guillotine. <laughs> for Dan we don't know if the guillotine was brought out, but something close to that happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, good to know. I wrote this list as cursed hit songs from 2006 because they remind me so much of sitting in my papa's on chair and playing monkey ball in sixth grade. <laughs> Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Temperature by Sean by Shana Paul. Uh, Promiscuous by Nelly. I can never say her last name. Furtado. Furtado. Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. Crazy by Niles Barkley, Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake, which I still don't understand to this day because it always seemed super homoerotic to me. I guess it's kind of why I think it's more that it's like a gender reversal thing because he's like, I'm bringing sexy back. Those other boys don't know how to act. But he's like, come here, girl. Yeah, but it still seemed gay to me. (laughs) I was like, wait, but why would he care about the other boys? Because he's trying to like put them in his place. (laughs) I guess it's just that you hear very rare. You very rarely hear a man being like, these other boys don't know how to act. Like You would hear like, these other girls don't know how to act because I'm so fine. But you wouldn't hear it from a man. I don't know. I remember thinking about that a lot. Uh. Run It by Chris Brown. Canceled. Canceled. Uh, SOS by Rihanna. Very early career Rihanna. Uh, Ain't No Other Man by Christina Aguilera, which means she was going through her vintage phase. Yeah, which is her best. I agree. And, uh, well, I mean, it's her second best after her, like, original, probably. Uh Or there might be even Tide. Yeah. Um, And then Lips of an Angel by Hinder, my favorite song. (laughs) Audrey doesn't laugh at all. She doesn't find it funny. I don't know what that song is. No, yeah, you do. The one that's <laughs> no, like, I don't. it's really good to hear your voice saying my name. It sounds so sweet. You don't know that I song? I don't know it. When I think of that song, I think of like, you know when you're in sixth grade and you see eighth graders and you're like, wow, they're so grown up. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember being at a middle school dance in sixth grade and watching like eighth graders in skate shoes slow dancing oh, to that man. song and being like, wow, maybe someday I'll <laughs> no. find love. Absolutely not. Robert's Middle School. And then uh, importantly to me, Dance Dance by Fall Out Boy and I Write Since Not Tragedies were big hits. 
giving way to the forthcoming era of mall emo, including MCR and Paramore and all those bands. Um, that was going on too. <laughs> Our intro is so long. Well, basically this whole episode is just us talking though. Yeah. Well, all our episodes also, are just us talking. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Wait, but also, we're actually not that far in. Okay. We'll be fine. Um, we're only at, like, 15 right now. Okay. I just have a lot of thoughts this time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it. I just wanted to make sure. This is good content. I'm not even just rambling. About, I'm not even saying, yeah, for sure. I'm, like, actually <laughs> saying things. Um, so, at the same time as all this other stuff was going on, in, like, the tabloid culture world, which was a really big deal at the time because it was still before social media really existed, we were a few years into the, like, very, like, sex tape adjacent celebrity culture of, like, Paris Hilton and early Kim Kardashian and, um, like, Jessica Simpson, like, borderline pornographic music videos, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, uh, Girls Next Door. Is that what the Playboy show was called? No idea. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. Whatever. It was a reality show. Oh. And um, where it was, like, Hugh Hefner and his, like, girls. It was very much like The Simple Life, but with Hugh Hefner in it. Mm. It was weird. I don't have awareness of that. It, I think it might have been a little too early for your yeah, consciousness. Yeah, I think I was still a baby. <laughs> I mean, thank God, because it was literally, like, damaging. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, anyways, we were a few years into this sort of celebrity archetype. So I think this is a good example of, like, some of the criticism that was going on in pop culture at the time. Pink, the recording artist, let out this song called Stupid Girls in 2006. And Audrey, do you remember this song or video? Yeah. Uh, I just rewatched the video today, so I really remember the video. but did you remember it before (laughs) I sent it to you? I think I the only, like, shot of it that I remembered was her on the car. Yeah. So, basically, the, the conceit of the video is that it's Pink, like, parodying Jessica Simpson washing a car in a bikini. Yeah. And then, like, parodying Paris Hilton by, like, making fun of eating disorders, which is an interesting choice. Um, when I was watching it earlier today, it really struck me that, like, the type of girl she was making fun of only exists in, like, a population of, like, 3,000 LA people. Like, it's not someone that, like, we ever would have encountered. And so I feel like it was super weird that she was, like, disseminating this take (laughs) to, like, the youths of America. Yeah. Um, And there was, like, a lot of people saying that the video is hypocritical because she's also hot and blonde. And just just because she's, like, a quote-unquote rebel doesn't mean that she hadn't done the same thing because she literally did. And she, you know... The markets that those celebrities that she's parodying benefit from, she also benefits from. Yeah. There's it's like, not like the, her, the audiences don't overlap. Right. Well, which I think is why she did it. So basically, I found this clip of her on Oprah talking about why she released the song and whether she had, like, received any backlash from Jessica or Paris or anything. And she told Oprah that she just wanted her audience to know that sexy and smart are not oil and water. You don't have to dumb yourself down to be cute. So... I think she was saying that because of the fact that The Simple Life was so huge and, like, all these reality shows were just being, like, like plastic surgery enhanced and rich was, like, a selling point. Mm -hmm. I think that she wanted to speak to that, but the amount of... um, I I feel like the messaging gets lost in the imagery. Yeah, because she's basically doing the same thing, but making it seem, like, almost scary. Yeah, she's, like, demonizing it. Yeah, it's, like, really, really, really hateful towards other women in this way. 
Like, I saw this video recently, this YouTube video about cringe and, like, why people cringe at stuff. And a lot of it is because if you recognize a piece of yourself in something and you're like, oh, I hate that. I really hate what they're doing. Like, you want to distance yourself as much as possible. And I feel like Pink making that video was her being like, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. But, like, you can't help but draw the comparison when she's literally doing mm-hmm. the same thing. And that's why it's cringe and it's not, like, a point. Like, she's not making a point with this. It's her trying to distance herself. And and it kind of reminds me of the Haley Williams misery business. Yeah, right, right, right. Thing, which should I explain? Yeah, sure. So uh, everybody knows the song Misery Business by Paramore and— uh, over time, it's aged not the best because mm-hmm. it is fairly woman-hating. Yeah. Um, what's the lyric? Once a whore, you're nothing more. Yeah. Well, I can tell you. Let me give you a little, like, it gets worse and worse. Basically, yeah. it's like, once a whore, you're nothing more. Sorry, that'll never change. Blah, blah, blah. There's a million other girls who do it just like you, looking as innocent as possible to get to who they want and what they like. It's easy if you do it right. Yeah. I, and... I mean, uh, we stand Haley Williams in this house, and she has uh, recently, or maybe it was like two years ago or something, but yeah. she, they stopped performing that song because even though it is their most mainstream and most popular song ever, it doesn't promote. It it's doesn't, like embarrassing to sing. It's every embarrassing time. for her to sing, and I think that it it really probably. I mean, I don't know if Pink sings "Stupid Girls" anymore, but if she does sing it, I really, really doubt that it's in the same energy that it was uh, back in two thousand six. Yeah, it was very hateful back then. Very hateful. Um, so you might be asking yourself, why are we talking about this? <laughs> and why I bring this up is because these movies, Cowbells and Material Girls, feel like a weird child-washed version of the same idea that Pink was going for, which is like, look at these dumb, pretty, rich girls. We're going to humiliate them in this movie, and mm-hmm. then they're going to, like, become a better person in the yeah. end. And, like, yeah, they're not good people, but, like, why were there m- multiple movies with the exact same thing going on? happening at the exact same time yeah. that are for kids. Like, you know, it's, it's weird. It's really kind of giving me the feeling that, like, a bunch of executives were really just under the spell of the the pop culture, uh, like, zeitgeist of the yeah. time. And, like, really being like, we don't want our daughters to grow up like this yeah. type thing. Right. And so they're like, let's put that type of girl literally this this type of person that exists in LA and like hardly like of course spoiled you know spoiled little like white rich girls yes live all over the country right but which I do think is interesting because it's yeah. really clear that Cowbells doesn't is not set in LA yeah, and I think it, it makes a big difference and we will come back to that I think it makes a big difference yeah. too but um yeah I I just have a feeling that like the executives of the time weren't um, thinking the most realistically? I don't know. Also, just, like, people hadn't evolved to understand the concept of internalized misogyny yet. Anyway, so <laughs> now we're going to talk about these movies. But now you have a really clear vision of what was kind of going on in the world at the time of these movies coming out. So I'll talk about Cowbells, and then Audrey is going to talk about Material Girls. So Cowbells premiered on March 24th, 2006, the exact same day as Hannah Montana's first episode. <laughs> want that fact to reverberate Uh. through the space. It premiered a few months before Material Girls, but I'm pretty sure they were in production probably at the same time or around that. 
Cowbells was directed by Francine McDougall, and her credits are pretty limited and they're mostly pretty random things, but she also directed Go Figure, which made me realize when we were talking about Ice Princess and I was going, there's that song, Go Figure. It's not in that movie. It's not in that movie. It's in (laughs) Go Figure. And uh, I'm realizing that movie was made by Disney, came out the same year. Disney let out two ice skating movies in the same year, and we should have done a versus on those. Oh. But I don't think we ever saw Go Figure. I didn't care about it. Me neither. (laughs) So I think that's why. That's probably why. (laughs) Um, This movie was written by Matt Dearborn, who has produced and written a ton of TV. Like, his credits are extremely extensive. But relevant to what we're talking about, he wrote for Even Stevens, Phil of the Future, but I accidentally spelled Phil, F-I-L-L of the Future. Like, I've got my Phil of the Future. (laughs) Romeo, like... Remember that show, Romeo? Yeah. Uh, exclamation point. That's a good show. Yeah. And then Beverly Hills 90210, uh, just like teen stuff was his thing. And then it was also written by Stu Krieger, who wrote um, a truly stunning lineup of Disney Channel original movies, including Xenon Z3, Smart House, Phantom of the Megaplex, which I'm pretty sure. Mm. I know, Hunter. Uh, and then <laughs> he also wrote for The Land Before Time, which I found funny. Uh, that is funny. There was no budget accessible on IMDb, but Wikipedia says that the budget was $5 million. I don't know if that's true. But it that seems sounds right. right. It seems right. Yeah. Even though, like— For cowbells, yeah. Audrey's like, yeah, carry the one. Seems right for cowbells. It does, though. For a made-for-TV decom, that sounds right. There was no critic score for cowbells on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but there was a 62% audience score, which is, like, pretty okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and then I picked a few critic opinions. There were only four critic opinions on Rotten Tomatoes, but um, it's sweet and mildly enjoyable in that Disney Channel way, but it's also instantly forgettable. Beg to differ. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone said, the film is worth watching for the sisters' progression toward becoming responsible adults. You start to care about their plight because they actually start to care about about someone besides themselves. Yeah. It's like the most shallow take of all time. Yeah. Also, we haven't acknowledged the fact that we're sisters and we're talking about movies about sisters. It's true. It's happening. That's it. That's all I have to <laughs> That's say. as deep as that gets. Um, Who knows? Maybe something deeper, deeper will come out of it. It probably will. So, plot synopsis. Also, it's okay if this is longer than normal because we're covering two movies. That's true. These are like the super special episodes. Yeah. As I'm justifying the runtime to myself, like, looking at the computer. Um, So, plot synopsis. In order to learn how to be responsible, two wealthy teen sisters are forced to work in the family business by their exasperated father. When the company funds go missing, it's up to the girls to save the day. Uh, Tagline, there is none, but apparently this movie was inspired by The Simple Life, which makes sense because I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure there were episodes of, like, Paris and Nicole going to the farm and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And really the most interesting part of the movie is the cast. And I'm going to just talk about Allie and AJ, not because the other people weren't good, but just because it's the most important thing in my mind to talk about them. So um, described on the internet as having a musical sound somewhere between Fleetwood Mac and (laughs) Avril Lavigne, which is the best description and a really flattering description. Really flattering description. Uh, Like they should really just keep this on there. Put that on there. Put that in their uh, press kit. Put that line in the press kit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ellie and AJ uh, were and are a successful pop duo. Mm -hmm. Um, Listen to their latest music, people. It's really good. It's evolved a lot. And they took a lot of time off of doing music between this era and now. But um, 
We'll come back to that. Yeah. So uh, Allie of Allie and AJ was famous at the time of this movie coming out because she had been the lead in Now You See It, which was a Mm -hmm. Disney Channel original movie for which she and her sister recorded a cover of Do You Believe in Magic? And Allie was also famous, moreover, for being Keely in Phil of the Future. Yeah. I think that's how most people knew her. Yeah, which was a show on Disney Channel. Uh, She somehow wrangled her sister into the Disney Channel world through their music. It's not super clear how. I think it was just like they were both blonde and pretty and talented. Yeah, I think that they had grown up singing together and performing together all the time. And then Allie was the one who ended up getting casted in these shows. And when they found out she could sing, they put her on the, uh, like, Radio Disney holiday disc. Yeah, right. And uh, and she probably was like, oh, me and my sister perform together. And, yeah. and it probably just, like, fell into place. Right. Yeah. And, like, there's nothing that isn't super packageable about them. They're, right. like, the most packageable people ever. Literally. Especially for them. Easy. Yeah. It's easy. Um. So they were, like actually pretty respected even outside of the Disney World realm. Like, not, like, super revered, obviously, but, like, their songs were good. And, yeah. like, they could actually sing. Yeah, they could actually it, sing. And they can actually mm-hmm. sing. Um, But especially back then when everyone was, like, like, super boring and nasal. Yeah, like, they actually have pretty good voices. Yeah. Um, and, like, a distinctive sound, too. I feel like more parents could tolerate Allie and AJ. Yes. And so they were like, yeah, let's do Allie and AJ. Yes. And um, <laughs> they were also, like, very squeaky clean. Like, there wasn't yeah. any sort of sexual undertones to them to the point where, um, in my research, I discovered that originally they did not identify as Christian musicians, but they, quote, unquote, wrote from a Christian perspective. Uh, I don't really know what that means. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't but, mean anything. But they did say that they didn't believe in evolution. Like, oh, wow. In an interview. And then a couple years ago, someone tweeted that at them. Uh-huh. And they tweeted back being like, we believe in evolution. Thank God for the glow up, both mentally and physically yeah. or something. You can, like, I want to be their friend now. I like, know. I love them. I feel like I actually was thinking that we could probably get to talk to them. Really? This. I think that if I, if we pitched it right. Oh, my God. We definitely Oh, could. true. Yeah. Who's going to do that in-depth analysis that they deserve? <laughs> right. Like, imagine if they talked to us about it. Yeah. That I think, would be I think really it could cool. happen. Her and uh, Deborah Martin Chase. Yeah. Her, them and Deborah Martin Chase uh, are on my list. I'm coming for you. Yeah. All of you. I'm good at finding press contact emails. Um, anyway, or we could honestly probably just DM Allie and AJ and they would probably see it. Maybe. I feel like that's kind of the best line with some people, but yeah. whatever. So, yeah, they were squeaky clean and now they're like indie goddesses and they are clearly rich and they're very yeah. like – we're rich and pretty and we can do what we want. Yeah. Um, very. <laughs> which not, I'm not trying to be rude to them. If they hear that, I don't want you to think that I don't respect you. I respect it. <laughs> anyway, that's that on that. Um, okay. Take us away with Material Girls, Audrey. Ooh, okay, Material Girls. Uh, I'm going to have to try to not let my opinions shine through here. <laughs> All right, so Material Girls premiered August 18th, 2006 in theaters. Got the theatrical release. It got the whole theatrical release. Not the cowbells made for TV moment. They're the Um, same runtime, basically, though. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they both feel like the longest movies ever made. They feel like four hours long. Yeah. So allegedly, Material Girls is based on Sense and Sensibility, which 
does make sense loosely. I, I can I can see it. It's like two sisters and their shenanigans and how they're shallow and then they're not. I don't know shit about sense and Okay, that's basically what it is. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, um, so Material Girls was directed by Martha Coolidge, who went to Tisch for film um, at NYU after studying illustration at the Rhode Island School of Design. So she, like, was going to be in illustration, and then she was like, never mind, I want to do film. And some of so the— So she's rich. I don't know. So she came for money. I'm assuming so. Got it. I mean, that would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, Especially considering her name is Martha Coolidge. Martha Coolidge. What's your name? What's your story? Yeah. <laughs> Are you Alyssa Coolidge. Edwards? <laughs> what's your name? What's your story? <laughs> what is going on on this day? <laughs> Um, anyway, some of Martha's most well-known credits that I could easily identify. Again, we're picking things based off of what we care about. Yeah, not what's actually good and important. <laughs> yes. Um, she did two episodes of Sex and the City. Um, she's most known for the film Valley Girl with Nicolas Cage, the film Introducing Dorothy Dandridge with Halle Berry, and Rambling Rose with Laura Dern. Those are some really, really solid credits. I guess, yeah. I mean, Laura Dorothy Dern, Dandridge. Halle Berry. What's yeah, Dorothy Dandridge? It's a, it's a biopic. Um, Is it biopic or biopic? I say biopic. Biopic sounds scientific. And I, I agree. I don't agree biopic with makes way more sense. It's, I think it's biopic. Okay. But Thank yeah, you. it's a biopic. And it was written by John Quaintance, Jessica O'Toole, and Amy Raridan, who are essentially all TV people, which makes a whole lot of sense <laughs> when you watch this movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so John is most well known for writing Aquamarine. <laughs> Forthcoming. The crowned jewel of all teen entertainment. You mean the crown jewel? Crowned jewel, crown jewel. <laughs> it's it's present tense of crown. Okay, I'll say it again. Um, what? Nothing. You got to cut that out. It's funny. No, Audrey, I'm the one who said uh, who says uh, diegetic extremely wrong. I was saying diegenic, <laughs> and you're like, that's not what it is, and I leave it in because it's funny. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> John. She goes. Oh. <laughs> John is most well-known for writing, in part, I think there's two writers on Aquamarine, mm -hmm. but he did co-write Aquamarine, which is, I think, our favorite teen movie. It's, it's, it's up there. It's got to be. I mean, it's yeah. really close if it's not number one, um, which I'm extremely impressed that Aquamarine could even partially come out of the mind of a man. I, I just... Well, you have to remember uh, that it was a novel first. Oh, that's true. Okay, so that's true. And he was true. basically just translating yeah, it. Yeah, he's translating it. Okay, yeah. yes. We'll bring it back to reality. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, he also wrote Hot Pursuit, which is this weird movie that stars Reese Witherspoon and Sofia Vergara and I don't oh, think I like anybody that. saw it. <laughs> I remember seeing commercials for that and being like what? Yeah like I <laughs> at my job I'm working with a man who worked on Hot Pursuit uh -huh. and it's like a meme. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's funny. That's why I wrote it like down. Like in what way? Because he just was like 
why does this exist? Like, it just, like, (laughs) isn't necessary. Yeah. And then he's also written lots of TV. Jessica has written Charmed, Greek, and The Carrie Diaries, which are all TV shows, and so has her writing partner, Amy. I forgot about The Carrie Diaries. It's, I've watched it. I know. I remember you watching I it. I liked it. Yeah. I just have a soft spot for Anna Sophia Robb. I get it. Like, I like her. So, anyway, <laughs> the budget was $15 million and the domestic opening weekend came in at $4 million. Wah, wah. <laughs> Very sad. Um, and I found this information about how the movie struggled to find a distributor. And I have this little quote about it. Um, the film began production on April 18th, 2005. On March 31st, 2006, Lucas Haas, the guy who plays Henry, told an entertainment website that the movie might not find a distributor. On April 6th, Box Office Mojo reported that the movie had been bought by MGM and would be released in August. It was released in 1,500 theaters and flopped, (laughs) but ultimately grossed over $12 in DVD sales. Which does make sense. It makes so much sense because this is the movie that moms will buy when they're passing it in the DVD aisle because yes. their kids are bored and it's summertime. Yes, yes, you know? yes. They, they have to drive to North Carolina. It's that. So they need something to burn the time. Yeah, and yes. it makes so much sense in that way. And you know what? There's no shame in that. Yeah. It's valid. Yeah. The critic score is 4%. <laughs> I could not believe that when I saw that. And the critical opinion is, Plagued by paper-thin characterizations and a hackneyed script, Material Girls fails to live up to even the minimum standards of its genre. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a brutal take. Brutal, but that's kind of how I feel, guys. (laughs) I'm excited because... (laughs) That's how I feel. I'm ready to step up to the bat for Material Girls personally. Good luck. (laughs) And then the audience score is 44%. A far cry from 4%. Yes. I mean, they should be proud of that. Yes. The plot synopsis, basically repeating the cowbells plot synopsis, (laughs) is stripped of their wealth and forced to fend for themselves when the multi-million dollar cosmetics company inherited from their father suffers due to controversy. Two sisters who have never known the simple life must finally find out how the other half lives in a high fashion comedy about hard times. Starring Hillary and Haley Duff. First of all, they have known the simple life. They live the simple life. Yeah, this person doesn't know what the simple life means. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever wrote that really does not know. They thought it meant not being rich, but it means being rich. rich. Um... And also, where'd you get this from? Hard times. I know. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Where'd you find that description? This is from Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Oh, okay. You've got some good taglines. These taglines, we've got two. And I just don't claim this, okay? I do not claim this culturally <laughs> at all. The first one is it's a short trip from the penthouse to the poorhouse. Brutal. Moment of silence. <laughs> And the second one is they lost a fortune but got a life. <laughs> like, no. 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 The penthouse to the poorhouse. Like, <laughs> it's a sh- Whatever. Okay. We can't even dwell on that. Yeah, no. We got to keep we gotta keep it moving. So the cast, fun fact about Material Girls, and it's honestly very obvious, is that it was written for Mary-Kate and Ashley. 
uh, and they did not take the roles. <laughs> and uh, Lindsay Lohan and Anne Hathaway both auditioned for this movie, but ultimately Hillary and Haley Duff got the parts. So we've got Angelica Huston, who is in Ever After, The Addams Family, Smash, and I put in The French Dispatch because that's a current one. It's a Wes Anderson film. We've got Brent Spiner, who is Data in Star Trek, <laughs> that The was Next like Generation. That was, my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, it's so random. They even threw in a reference. Like, it's... They throw in, like, this really tactless Star Trek reference. But I was so happy to see him. Because yeah. I love Star Trek. Yeah, he's mostly known for Star Trek and Independence Day. And he's in Picard. Yes. The, uh, also Star Trek. <laughs> current day reboot of Star Trek Next Generation, basically. And then um. we've got Lucas... Haas, who is in Inception, Witness, First Man, and, drumroll please, the <laughs> Welcome to the Black Parade music video by My Chemical Romance. Ding. I knew in my soul, but I could not place it when I was watching. Yeah, that was like a deep cut from his IMDb. I was like, what? That yeah, was one of his like, first things. He's like the lead He's like the guy in the Welcome to the Black Pride music video, yeah. which is big. Um, All right. We've gotten through the facts. We got through the facts. So I'm sure you're ready for a break, and so are we. So <laughs> we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we are going to duke it out. I don't really think there's the that break. much to duke <laughs> yeah, out, but no. we're going to talk about both these movies and have a little discussion, a little compare and contrast, yeah. a little Socratic seminar. Yes. Get your notes. BRB. <laughs> you, oh, and if you haven't rewatched them both... We'll have to announce in advance that people should rewatch <laughs> these so they can be ready. You need to prep. For you this. do need to prep. There is a uh, there's prior reading required. <laughs> for this one. Okay. Anyway, be right back. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of Seven Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Hello, everyone. We are back. We took our break, and now we are ready to uh, get into the details even more of Material girls <laughs> slash cowbells. We have six questions for the uh, dissecting here, but the first question is, which of these two movies had better characters? Should I answer it? Do you want to take a minute to think and then say something? No, I don't need a minute. Do you need a minute? Well, no. <laughs> I think that the answer to the question lies in, does better mean more morally sound or more entertaining? I personally think <laughs> that a better character just means that they're more entertaining. Okay, yeah. The standards of better and more likable or more lovable even are, like, different. Because in my mind, obviously, Cowbells has the more lovable characters. Yes. Because... Again, as we said before, they actually more realistically are learning how to care about somebody other than themselves. Like straight out of the gate, they're a little bit more self-aware. Yeah. 
Which is, like, not why you come to a movie like this, to be totally honest. No. I think that Material Girls has better characters. Do you really? I do, and I'll tell you why. Tell me why. There's something specific about them. Haley Duff sucks. Hillary <laughs> Duff sucks a little bit less, but like two like percent less. But she's like at least a scientist and like has some interests and some shit. Like she actually cares about skincare. And then we have <laughs> she actually then we have cares Tom Katzenberg or whatever his name is. Uh, Data. He has a distinct personality. Angelica Houston has a pretty distinct personality. The guy from the Black Parade music video has a pretty distinct personality. Um, there were, I think that the characters in Material Girls are way more distinctive. And um, I mean, they definitely yeah. have stronger opinions, I guess. Or they're, they're not beating around the bush. Like they, they like say what they mean, kind of. So what do you mean? Like, because it's not a decom, they're able to say and do things that cowbells can't do like like when when Haley Duff starts smoking the cigarette and Hillary's like stop I mean Tansy is like stop smoking the cigarette which honestly that's just a throwaway to have a fire which I hate this movie really distinctly is clearly not Disney yeah it's distinctly not a decom. It was probably the beginning of Hillary trying to edge away from kids stuff because there's that whole part about prostitutes. Yeah, and that, that we'll get weird to. scene. That weird scene where she walks in to bribe the guy. Yeah. And it's just so bad. Okay, Audrey, <laughs> I need more about the characters from you. Honestly, I can't really defend as far as like really distinctive character traits from cowbells. Yeah, I think that Maybe one thing that would be appropriate to talk about here is I got, like, very big, like, suburban rich vibes from them. Whereas in Material Girls, it's, like, L.A. astronomically rich. Yeah. Like, I don't think that they're actually that rich in cowbells. Like, I think that they are wealthy, Mm -hmm. but they're not, like, millionaires. No. That's kind of the vibe I got. Yeah, the, the level of wealth is not as high as in Material Girls. Yeah. Like, I feel like the level of wealth that they have in Cowbells is, like, the same as a lot of people that would have been watching Cowbells. Mm-hmm. Which, in a way, makes it better just, I mean, depending on what you're watching it for. Like, what's the goal of watching this? Yeah. Material Girls is more unattainable and more, like, dumb fun and entertainment. And I think Cowbells was kind of trying to drive home a lesson for its viewers. Cowbells doesn't hate its characters. Yeah. And Material Girls fucking hates its characters. Yeah, except for the down-to-earth lawyer guy. They don't hate him. They like the guy from the My Chemical Romance video. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of it. Because he's, like, the real one. Right. He was actually pretty funny in this movie. Yeah, I thought he he really brought, like, a different tone to it. Yeah. His tone and the everybody else's tone don't really match. They don't match, but like it, it's fun. Um, okay. So which movie had more entertaining characters? I guess Material Girls. I agree, Material Girls. Okay. Yeah. Which movie had a better plot? And by better, I mean airtight. Like which one had the closest to a sensical, not full of holes plot? The fact that I can hardly even remember the sequence of events in Material Girls <laughs> <laughs> Kind of leads me to think that Cowbells has a more concrete, but 
the end of Cowbells is like, this seems really, really, really unlikely. Tell tell us why because or what it is. AJ's character is trying to have a cotillion and she wants to throw it with her like three friends who are all evil. Are all evil and just basically want her for her money. But they all want each other for their money. Yeah, they want each other for their money because they want to throw the perfect cotillion. And Correct. It turns out that Allie's character spends AJ's budget for her party because the dairy has made these various mistakes and they need to make up for all the money they lost and they need to pay their payroll. You mean it's not the dairy? I don't think I don't think a dairy factory is called a dairy. Well, they refer to it as the dairy. Maybe I'm wrong. They I could be wrong. They do refer to it as the dairy. Anyway, <laughs> I do the the, the very Way too fast change of heart that the mean girls have when they roll up to the dairy with their father. Is it them? It's them, minus the meanest girl. Okay, that makes sense. But the two little side mean girls show up and they're like, your dad showed up to Cotillion and we thought we should just come with him. Yeah, so so the important piece of context is that kind of the whole— thing of the movie is that like the the uncle who's in charge of the company like whisks the dad away on this trip and then the uncle disappears with all the money and then they never come back to that no. which is interesting because apparently there was an alternate ending where it was about catching the uncle and yeah. getting the money back right which would have made way more sense would have made way 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 more sense and in and that sense it reminds me of uptown girls yeah because in uptown girls she loses all of her money and they're just like mm, that's that they just don't that's not the goal of the movie the goal yeah. of the movie isn't let's recover your wealth it becomes something else about like what's happening internally but for that reason i guess i would say that material girls kind of has a more airtight plot just in that it, it does, does make more actually sense. deal with who's dealing with the money and, like, what's happening with the business and, like, how are we going to recover from this? Yes. I agree. Like, yeah. it, it is about the business and, like, the arc of the business along with the arc of the kids, which right. does make sense. So, I never uh, did I think I would be <laughs> making an argument for Material Girl. I do think the plot makes more sense. Um, yeah. But, okay, this next one, we are— But there's elements of the Cowbells plot that make more sense, for sure. There's a lot of really— internal stuff makes more sense plot-wise from Cowbells. I agree. There's a slow build and development of, like, AJ's hating her life and she hates her sister because she spent all of her money on the employees of the dairy instead of the cotillion. And she's mad about it. And then it takes her some time, but she gets there, you know? Well, yeah, I think that the relationship between— the Duffs is a lot more like campy slash bizarre. Yeah, then it's like you don't really believe it, even though they're actual sisters. I was yeah. like, I don't really. Well, I feel like Haley was just like, my little sister is more famous than me, so I have to like wedge my way in, yeah. like as an older sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then and then uh, with the with. Allie and AJ, they actually have, like, a pretty genuine connection. Yeah, their chemistry really comes through. But I, I did think, here's really my question. Like, did you think it was fucked up that she spent the <laughs> cotillion money? Because um, 
My first thought was, why didn't she just sell her car? But then right. she sells it later. But it's like, why didn't you sell your car first instead of just stealing your sister's like Budget. little fund thing? Yeah, and and because she runs it past her, and then and then AJ's like, absolutely not. Yeah, and then she does it anyway. Like, that is a crazy thing to do. <laughs> it is a crazy thing to do, but clearly, farm boy has put Allie on another level of, like, we need to be a good person, which is kind of a whole other thing of, yeah, like, a lot of why are these men, like, these boys making the girls, like... Realize that they're, like, bimbos that they're or something. Bimbo, like, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Like, they do the bare minimum, and there's also this weird running gag of, like both the girls in both movies, like, hating animals. Yeah. And then, like, slowly coming to love animals. And it's like, I'm what? like, when did women lack a love for animals? Yeah, like, when was empathy the problem? Yeah. Like, I just don't understand. Empathy wasn't the problem. Yeah, I find that to be very weird. This is kind of plot adjacent, but I will say there were some actually really funny lines in Material Girls. Like, there were some really bad ones, but I guess it's just this one thing I just thought it was really funny when Data said that they were going to earn themselves a tax credit by doing a charity event yeah. that just was funny you thought me. that was funny I mean I wasn't like haha that's <laughs> funny but I was like that's actually something that someone would say in that position yeah that's true that was like one hint of somebody who's like superficial and would say something like that yeah like we're not doing it for charity we're like doing, we're doing it for, it for money yeah. yeah um i also want to just point out that this movie carries on the trend of the nose job gag of the mid 2000s yeah. because there's an assistant at the marchetta like cosmetics company who has this like really aggressive nose job bandage <laughs> for some time. reason it's always healing until the last scene <laughs> yeah it was weird okay moving on to the next question <clears throat> which movie aged better cowbells <laughs> Absolutely, but we should get into why. Because Cal, as I keep saying, because Cowbells is a decom, they do tend to steer clear of topics that could potentially get them in trouble, being race and class sex. and sex and, you know, like surgery, like plastic surgery. Yeah. They don't really go into that. Um, man, what else? I mean, Material Girls touches on Material all Girls that stuff. Material Girls gets on jail, immigration, yeah. sex, 9-11, prostitution, 9-11, uh, just shitting on people, racism, <laughs> like, literally just getting on a public bus and being like, ew, I hate this. Yeah. And, and it's literally a shot of like black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, white people has all types of people. And it's just like this, like innocuous shot. Like they're, yeah. they're literally just chilling. And Haley's like, Ew. <laughs> just, it's just you. Well, but like they're supposed to. Again, this movie hates its main characters. Like you're supposed to hate them. I guess for me, watching it now in 2020, it's like I just can't keep track. I I don't know what the awareness was. How somebody would have viewed this in 2006. That's, that's also really true. Like I do think that obviously, like racism played for a punchline mm -hmm. was. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a thing now because it is, but, like, it was way less subtle back then. Like, now yeah. we have memes and then we had, like, literal sassy black woman characters, which, like, again, they still exist now, but they were not as obvious as they were back then. Mm -hmm. 
it's just like it's to the point where if you watch it now, you're just like, what? Yeah. So I was like, how does this exist? Like, yeah. And I think again, I think this was also like the era of like South Park and Family Guy humor that was very like rooted in being like quote unquote edgy. So like quote like quote unquote like telling the truth like what people are thinking but not saying, yeah. which is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Um, very. Like, my personal highlight reel of fucked up things that they say. Um, <laughs> I have a whole bunch. Okay. Too. When Haley and Hillary are entering the party, like the club for the first time, uh-huh. she says, like Hillary goes like, oh, it's so narrow. Like the entrance is so narrow. And Haley goes, anybody who ever gained baby weight can't fit. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. what? I was like, that's such a bizarre thing to say. I remember that. I didn't even write that down because I was, like, cooking dinner while yeah. listening to that part. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me if I'm missing anything that you have. Okay. Um So the first thing I noticed that at least struck me as something that you wouldn't see in a Disney movie was uh, Inez, who's their, like, housekeeper. But, like, the girls are staying with her at her house once their house burns down because, again, unfortunate random fires. Um, <laughs> this is the thing that that girls come in contact with. start fires. <laughs> that's the that's the moral of both and, these and movies. And that's how we know they're not responsible and that's how we got to keep them in check. And that's how they deserve to lose everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Inez mentions post-9-11 immigration delays, yeah. which basically she's talking to the girls about how their dad was helping her bring her kids over like, from where, whatever country she's from, which they never specify, which is also, like, yeah. part of what makes this movie so problematic. And I was like, oh, interesting. So that's not problematic, but it's, like, a it was just like underdeveloped thing that yeah. they said. And it was kind of like they brought it up to be like, wow, people were affected by 9-11 that aren't <laughs> white. Like, I don't know. It was just a weird moment. It was moment. weird. Um, um, I have another one. Okay. Oddly... Haley's character starts, like, shaming Tansy, Hillary's character, for wanting to, like, go home and fill out a college app. <laughs> okay. Like, they're in the club, and Haley's like, nobody's going to like us or be friends with us if you just, like, want to be smart. Like, that's yeah. basically what she's saying. And I was like, um, all right. Interesting. <laughs> that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> like, Is that... God forbid Hill wants to go to college. Yeah, well, but that's, like, the point of this whole movie is that they're, like, supposed to be, like, dumb and happy. Yeah. But but the fact that Hillary starts not being that way... Yes. ...is kind of weird. And then it kind of goes away. Yeah, and then it goes away. But not... Meaning just, like, the screenplay stops paying attention to it. They have this friend, Etienne, who's gay, and they... Make this weird joke about how ATN's like gonna go straight for them, which like is literally a thing our friends would say to us. Like I could yeah. imagine any of our friends saying that to us, but I was like, hmm, interesting. I just can't believe they put it like on blast, like in an MGM yeah. movie. I was like, yeah. what? I was surprised by that too. When they are on the public bus though, one of them goes, like, it smells in here or something. And I was like, wow, this is like a parasite reference. Yeah, right. It, it does like, have that I vibe. I was like the the least smart version of Parasite right here. Like, yes. <laughs> what? Basically, the main issue with this movie is that it deals with race, like, really brutally and horribly, which we already mentioned. But, mm-hmm. like, I kind of think that the most notable part was when uh, Hillary ends up being put in jail for, like, oh looking God. through these files that she wasn't supposed to look through to try to find, like, a person that she suspects of having, like, disparaged yeah. their family name. Which is a thing that literally would not happen. Right. It literally would and not happen. And also, did you notice that, like, all the police were very pointedly black? Yeah. 
I was like, okay. Yeah, and it's like, uh, I've n- actually noticed that in other things from the early 2000s as well. It's in Confessions, too. Yeah, like, they make, I, and I, I just can't help but believe that it's on purpose. Right? I mean, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. You it's, cast it's these parts. It. Like, it's, I don't know. But, it seems purposeful. Yeah, basically, the cop that, like, arrests Hillary is black, and then when she goes to jail, the, like, cop that she interacts with there is black. Uh-huh. And they make <laughs> the weirdest choice when she's in prison. It's like yeah. they put her in this cell. Like a holding cell. Yeah, so first of all, the place that she went to go look for the files for – when she went there, she dressed up as, like, basically a prostitute, I guess, to try to, like, <laughs> seduce whoever was... In the way of her getting to the files. Yeah, which is, like, a really harmful idea yeah. in a lot of ways, but especially because, like, bad shit probably would have happened to her in real life. Yeah. And so, that's one thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just so wildly... And also, like, the the camera's gaze in that scene, it's just like, what are you trying to communicate? This movie is for children. Yeah. You was it rated PG-13? I don't know. It had to have been. Yeah, it, ha- it had to have been. Yeah. But, um... Let me double You know, that. it's very, like, wah, 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 you know, that yeah. type of thing. Like, yeah, like yeah. a pan up from the heels to the... It's only rated PG. Oh, man. That is really surprising. That's crazy. there was a lot in there. Imagine getting that for your kid and being like, this is PG, and then they literally talk about prostitution. Yeah. Like, which, again, not to say... Whatever. Sex work is complicated, and I'm not trying to get into that, but, yeah. like, at least not here. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the point is she – It's not what you expect. Yeah, so she ends <laughs> up being, like, held at this prison or, like, at this jail. Yeah. Not a prison. She's held in this jail. Holding cell. Holding cell. For some reason, it's her and, like, two butch lesbians – at least what we're supposed to interpret them as bush They're lesbians. They're coded, yeah. And then, like, a, just, like, a truly random black woman. Yeah. And it first starts off as this scene where they're communicating that the lesbians are going to gang her. And then they're like, never mind. Tansy's going to teach them how to do skincare. Yeah. And then the black character is like, there's toe jam between my toes running from the popo. Do you remember that? Yes. And her name is La Portia. No, it's just, it's just. It's disgusting. Entirely (laughs) gross and shouldn't exist. And I really wonder what they felt like on set. Like, there's just no way that everyone, everyone's smarter than that. Yeah. And there was that whole thing where uh, both the girls like dress up as like housekeeper or like as like female janitorial staff at one point and they put on like lip liner and hoop Mm -hmm. earrings and are like talking about being gangbangers and And stuff. And the company is called Sassy Maids. Oh yeah. And it's so coded. The whole thing is just so bad. It's so bad. I hated it so much. Like I was like why is this movie making my blood boil right now? Yeah. It was uh, and just really random side note. One of the like lesbians in the holding cell is Coach from Glee. Yes, thank you. Because I was thinking, I was like, why does she look familiar? Like, what yeah, do I know I was her just from? Like, what the hell? Coach from Glee. Which of these two movies do you think looked better? I'm gonna leave that one to you because I really don't have that much to say. Um, and we're talking from like a cinematography standpoint. Yes. Which one looks better? Kind of hard to say because I watched them both on a laptop, but I would say Cowbells looks better. Yeah. Um, because Material Girls is very much set to set to set to set. It's very built. Yeah. And it doesn't have like a 
perspective. It doesn't have a particular like lens, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Not that Cowbells is super innovative with their cinematography or anything, but there are at least some shots where you're like, oh, that's pretty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, that's pretty. Like when um, Allie and the farm boy are walking in the field. Oh, I forgot about the fact that when she puts on the, she's like clearly wearing his clothes because she weirdly just hugged like a raw cow. (laughs) Uh, I'm always like, wow, she's really De- like she's really like she's down really, like, with down her man. Her. Yeah, exactly. she's in she's in basketball shorts and a big t-shirt. Like wow, and they're walking in the field together. But that shot is actually pretty. It looks like the front of a Hidden Valley Ranch bottle. Yeah, so like which I like literally so. for that reason alone. Cowbells gets the cinematography award. Yeah, there is a lot more going on there. Yeah, I suppose. Um, also, I wanted to ask you how you feel about the hair texture of Allie and AJ. Oh my god. <laughs> As it's you have very so curly hair. Funny. Um, we are being led to believe that these girls curl their hair with like a half inch wand every day. I think that's their actual hair texture. It's not. It's not? They have straight hair. Are you serious? I'm literally, Hannah? my jaw is dropped. <laughs> well, no, because I was looking at it and I was thinking about it and I was like, those curls look really crunchy. Like, it feels like, you know how people used to do the thing where they would, like, spray the shit out of their hair? Yeah, but that's when your hair isn't straight. But that's what it looked like to me. No, no, they got straight hair. I think they might have a little wave or something, but, like, if you look at them now. No, you're right. They got straight hair. Unless they're straightening it all the time. Why would they Why would they choose to have such a high-maintenance hairstyle? Well, because, I mean, for, Ke- I said Keely, for Allie's brand, that hairstyle carries over from Phil of the Future. Like that's how we were used to seeing her. But she why had would that they curly? But why thing. would they do that? Because it. Well, I mean, that was on trend in the like early two thousands, doing the like springy curls. I guess seems like a lot of time. There's just no way you can tell by looking at their roots that their oh, hair is curly. Oh, okay. It's just not. Imagine having to like deal with that. Do you think they use rollers? Maybe. That would make a lot more sense. I'm just thinking of the time efficiency situation. I mean, it's literally not efficient. It's just not. stupid. But it looks kind of cool. It does look cool. Yeah. I was thinking about that at one point. Anything else you want to say about how it looked? I will say filmmaking choices. I appreciated the random presence of so much folk music in Cowbells. Yeah. (laughs) They have like this like factory band that plays. And they always sing songs that are like weirdly on the nose to the current situation. Yeah. Yeah, She's like... (laughs) Two girls who didn't know what they were doing. And you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, like, so what's happening? <laughs> it's weird. It's so funny. It's like, oh, did you guys like, were you inspired by the current yeah, situation? Yeah, right. Like, are you making a concept album based off this week? Because that whole movie <laughs> only happens in one week. Yeah. Which is also bizarre. Uh, oh, one logistical thing also about Cowbells I want to say is at the one point where Allie, like, decides that she's going to cover the payroll for, like, a week or whatever, mm-hmm. where the money isn't there and it's only $20,000. Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh, what are these people being I'm like, paid? Okay, unionized? <laughs> like, but, but I had the same thought, but I was like, there's actually not that many of them. It seems like there's only, like, 30 of I them. I literally was dividing it in my yeah, head. Yeah, me too. I was, like, doing the math. Like, if it was, like, 30 people, because it seems like this is, like, a weirdly it's indie. A Small, like dairy factory. Which again leads me to this whole thing. Okay, one thing I have to say that you can tell from the way the movie is like created is that it feels like Allie and AJ live in like Indiana. Yeah. And it feels like very LA with material girls, mm -hmm. which I think speaks to the wealth level 
And it also speaks to, like, why their personalities are so different. Yeah. Like, why the Midwest girls, like, obviously I'm biased, but, like, (laughs) have more, like, of a bearing on things. And, like, what is reasonable and what's not. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the Midwest, like, sensibility is still there. Yeah, me too. I think they pull that off. Yes. Even though they're not even Midwestern, like Allie and AJ are. They're from California. Yeah. Um, Good for that. By the way, I looked up where River City is, and on Wikipedia, because they live in River City, and on Wikipedia, they literally were like, River City is a generic name for any city that's on a river. <laughs> so, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense that they named it that. Yeah, isn't that where things happen in Music Man Music also? Man, yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, also, I loved, right here in River City. <laughs> I also loved it when uh, AJ told Allie that for the rest of her ugly life, yeah. blah, blah, blah. AJ gets so mean to Allie in this like movie. the rest of your ugly life. <laughs> She's like, I hope for the rest of your ugly life you think of the fact that you betrayed me and my cotillion. She's like, I will never speak to you again. I hate you. Like, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Which of these movies, Audrey, Mm -hmm. is still worth watching? Oh, see, okay. It depends on what you're in it for. Yes. Are you in it for a wholesome time and, like— To numb your entire brain. Numb your—yeah. Just, like— pretend you're 10 or something yeah (laughs) then cowbells for sure but if you want to like have some kind of like cultural like if you want to get like bizarre experience yeah or if you want to get a really good sense of perspective on how even though yeah like how far we've come even though we still obviously have like a very long way to go Mm -hmm. with representation this movie is like cartoonishly inappropriate yeah like watching it made me feel like i didn't even exist when this movie came out yeah i agree so yeah i mean if as a young adult or somebody who consumed these movies when you were younger i would say rewatch material girls because you're going to be really shocked you're gonna be shook and i actually think if i may i do feel like if you're a caucasian woman like we <laughs> yeah. are it's a very good thing to watch to really think about what you were indoctrinated with when mm-hmm. you were a kid yeah even if you you know didn't have a similar upbringing to ali and aj or hillary and Haley duff oh yeah there no. are elements of it that do apply to all Well, like white girls. And yes, I agree. But what I'm saying is like the fact that that was a thing rated PG with Hillary Duff in it that Mm -hmm. our parents and maybe your parents like bought for you and gave you to watch. like Because they just saw Hillary's face, thought of Lizzie McGuire and all the stuff that she's in that is fine. Yeah. And then was like, okay, here you go. And then it ended up being so different. The messaging that you get from Material Girls is vastly different. Yeah. And like the aggressions that are uh acted out in this movie like surely settled into the subconscious of many women out there mm-hmm. and um not just women. Yeah. Girls, gays and theys that watch <laughs> this movie and I think that Cowbells is boring as shit, to be totally honest <laughs> with you. We didn't even talk about the random French guy love interest no. that doesn't need to exist. Was, both these movies have a really heavy-handed sense of, like, shoehorning in romances for, for both both girls. For both sisters, even when only one of them actually has a developed one. Yeah. And um, and I don't like that. I, it's unnecessary. Yeah. I don't even feel like we need to talk about it because we've talked about it in it's, so many other movies. Been there and on that. But— the, oh, the subconscious. Cow, cow, Cowbells is boring as shit. Mm-hmm. Material Girls is appalling, but <laughs> I think that it's better to be appalled and think 
than just be bored. Be bored and be like, oh, that was a nice trip to my nostalgia or whatever. Which obviously we are indulging here in general, but I think between these two. Cowbells is exactly what you remember. Uh Uh-huh. And because there's not a lot of depth. No. And um, even though they do acknowledge privilege in that movie. Yeah, and and they do some things that are, I guess, slightly ahead of their time for um, 2006, but not hardly. Hardly. I mean, it's bare minimum stuff, but still. Like giving away their money and like selling their cars and doing it not because they're forced to. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I guess AJ is kind of forced to, but. She ends up being forced to, but she comes around. Yeah, she does come around. Anyway, (laughs) I guess we're saying that Material Girls comes out on top as a more relevant long-term piece of cinema. I mean, Cowbells is a better movie as far as basic movie standards go. You know, those types of boxes like music, cinematography, acting, wardrobe, you know, just like those elements, the basic ingredients of a movie. Yes. But if you want a cultural awakening and experience and just to recognize how far we have come, uh, I guess Material Girls is the way to go. It's going to be scary, though, and I really wouldn't wish it upon anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just depends on what kind of experience you were looking for. Yeah. So that's it. That's Material that. Girls emerges the winner, I guess. Um, uh, sort of. <laughs> whatever. You get what we're saying at this point. Um, thank you for hanging with us throughout this uh, spectacular versus episode. We have another versus episode coming up very soon. Um, I guess we could tell you because you yeah. should listen ahead or watch the movie ahead. Uh, we're watching Bratz. And The Click. Yes, we are doing a get your reading done in advance. <laughs> um, and we're excited to discuss it soon. Yeah. Um, thank you again for, <laughs> for being here. Indulging us here. Again, let us know if we missed anything on Instagram at 2 Pink Pictures or on Twitter at 2 Pink Pictures or email us at 2 Pictures at gmail.com and we will be happy to air any grievances that you have. As always. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> forever and always. What is she? Uh, <laughs> always and forever. Other side. <laughs> <laughs> That's a secret I'll never tell. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Strutted out. <laughs> Walk mile. Oh, servant. Ancient city style. Talk it out. Battle on. Battle for your life. Babylon. It's gossip. What you want. All right. Money don't talk. Rip that song. Gossip. <laughs> You've watched them in unforgettable adventures. Love affairs. 
and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.